everybody, and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Paul, and I am your host as always. And today, super psyched to bring you Mr. Jim Wilson from the band Motor Sister. Uh, Jim is maybe a name that you don't know, but you've definitely heard some of his tunes and what he's been involved with, everything we're going to get into. Jim, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's right, a pleasure. Right on. So we were just talking about Delaware. So uh, you came from Delaware early on. And how did you make your way out to to California? Um, you know, it's so funny because I don't even know how I had the will to do what I did. But <laughs> I just was so I was so in love with music. And uh, early, you know, I was born and raised in Delaware. And early days, I just thought to be the closest to music maybe i'll be a dj you know and okay. get free records and yeah. and then um then i just started playing mostly like in high school or whatever and, and people seemed to really like it so somehow probably all my heroes were in los angeles you know and all the record companies as well and i thought hey i could maybe go out there and maybe write some songs for people and um I uh, visited in 87, right after I got out of high school. And then by 88, I was here. I just, you know, did a bunch. I played with a, a terrible top 40 band in Delaware that were, you know, like twice my age. But I made good money playing at weddings. And I had to sing uh, Summer of 69, you know, it's yeah. that kind of thing. And just saved my money. And I got a van and just came out here and started working in record stores and just met a lot of musicians and all of a sudden i was in a band here you know what i mean and that was the tail end of of the hair metal scene the sunset strip scene so did you get involved in any of that well uh unfortunately maybe a little bit but there's nothing there's no proof of it <laughs> you know but definitely <laughs> definitely when the band first got together uh we were walking the strip and handing out flyers the friday and saturday nights were like you know, it was incredible until 2 a.m. There's hundreds of people on the streets yeah. going in and out of the clubs. And, you know, you had friends and bands, so you'd go see them. And then, yeah, we played Gazaris a couple times and uh, tried to. It was a big lesson at the time because, you know, like I said, I thought maybe I could write songs for people. And then when I would meet people from publishing companies, they would always be looking for things that sounded like everything else. Right. So at first, I'm trying to write Def Leppard songs. I'm trying to write, you know whatever's popular or whatever and then at some point you just you realized wait a minute when i was 17 i was just doing what i do and i wasn't trying to do it for anybody else and and that was when uh mother superior became that band it became okay. a trio and we had that name and that freedom maybe from being in a trio might might be it without a you know somebody else to argue with or whatever right. <laughs> but uh yeah it just clicked and uh we just kept playing and it you know we had a nice little following in la because we were playing all the time and it was you know we were all still working in record stores and bookstores and things and you know putting in long hours but uh it paid off so and that's what you got to do i feel like you got to you know Put some time, put, yeah. put some hours. Mm -hmm. And the the Mother Superior thing, of course, that's kind of directly the lead into Motor Sister. So if anybody who doesn't know, of course, Motor Sister is, I mean, you can call it what you want, but it's a super group, right? It's, it's Perla Day, <laughs> it's Scott Ian, it's Joey Vera, it's John Tempesta. It's all like all of these names from, from certainly from that that L.A. scene. And, and I definitely want to get into that, but I want to focus on Mother Superior first because... What I find interesting is if that grew out of like that late 80s, early 90s L.A. scene, which was 
really different from what Mother Superior is or sounded like because you definitely the vibe is not like that that what you think of it for California metal, right? It's definitely like a hard rock, like more yeah. roots, rootsier thing. So we I'm went so- back to our roots. Yeah, okay. We went back to our roots and it was at that time, it was totally Nirvana time. And I think, you know, maybe a big influence at that time too was the Black Crows just because it's like, wait a minute, we like the Stones and Humble Pie too. <laughs> like, why can't we sound, you know, like that, you know? So, and, you know, just similar influences and, like I said, it was kind of a realization and the three of us loved music. So we would listen to music together and hang out. And then uh, we used to have a, you know, we didn't have any money. And we were, there was a rehearsal place in Hollywood that if you rehearsed 11 to 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. when they closed for two hours, it's 20 bucks. So we would do that and we would hang out in the apartment <laughs> and listen to music. And then it's like, oh. It's almost 11, we better go. And then we would go and jam. You know, we would do that like three nights a week or something. So uh, we just bonded as a group. And I always loved writing songs and coming up with guitar riffs. And it got easier in that band because it was just like, you know, I would just say, what do you guys think of this? You know, and and the reaction would be its own thing. And we caught the attention of Henry Rollins, who produced our third record. And then we became Rollins' band for five years and he didn't want us to stop being Mother Superior, so we were doing double duty. And we even opened up for Rollins' band. We opened up for ourselves for one tour. And, it, and we said, never again, because we, we all lost like 25 pounds and that tour just sweat, you know. Um, but Rollins really helped us get that, get to the next place. And that's kind of when we met Scott and Pearl, Scott Ian and Pearl. A day they were uh, coming to our shows in the early days, like the Viper Room and... Um, Joey Vera was also a Mother Superior fan and he mixed and mastered some of our stuff uh, on some of the later albums and he would come to the shows. And so I remember Scott and Pearl showing up in um, Denver, Colorado, just because they were also in the town at the time, you know, and I would always give him um, early mixes and demos and stuff that I was working on. So we were always, you know, hanging out and being close. And then, uh, even in the Mother Superior had two different drummers. Uh, the first one, Jason McEnroth, even in that those earlier days, Pearl, we did shows with her and wrote songs with her okay. and her very, when she first started being solo too. So it was just kind of a natural, uh, you know, progression. Progression, yeah. So when you, when you think back to Mother Superior and you were getting a little bit of traction before the Rollins thing happened, did you feel like, mm-hmm. okay, we've got some success now? You know, how are you defining success like pre-Rollins? Uh, that's a good question. Pre-Rollins, we defined success because um, once again, we were, we had a lot of good local press, good LA press, and, and there were some really cool critics that were writing about us. And because of that, we got a full Bayside distribution, which was like Tower Records distribution and everything. So we started our own label and then we learned more about that from Rollins, you know, and I remember having an early conversation with Henry and he said, uh, that's so cool. You guys own your masters and you own your publishing, you know, uh, you're set. And we're thinking, yeah, but it's just sitting in the closet. It's not, you know, (laughs) we were were hoping to be on a record label where we get some, you know, but it makes sense now because, you know, I, you know, it's still my catalog and I still, right. I see it growing and that's cool. But uh, what was the other part of the question? Oh, S- success. I was yeah. Just talking. yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
And then he taught us, you know, we went on the road with him and we had never really been out of California, maybe a couple, you know, Seattle or something. We went to Tahiti in the early days for two weeks, which was nice. a trip. Some guys said, you want to go to Tahiti? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we learned that hard work ethic too from Henry and um, he, we played with him until he said he didn't want to play music anymore. It just felt like he had done it all. Right. And which is what he still says. He says he doesn't, he doesn't want to go back. So that's, that's pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. There's a, a really cool podcast that he did with uh, his assistant, Heidi, and they, they have a whole mother superior episode where they talk about those, that time. And he says, you know, I was scared to listen to it, but he said it was his favorite time of making music. Cool. So that meant a lot. Cool. And so when Henry Rollins... Oh, defining success. That's what it was. Yeah. I was just going to say also that no, we cool. uh, we got we got a little bit of success in Europe, in Spain and France and Germany and places. So we had some nice write-ups there and we got to tour there. So that was kind of like every time we put out a record, we got to go to Europe and, you know, play for six weeks. And especially in Spain where we were treated royally and then we come home and it's like oh yeah take the trash out and pay the gas bill you know <laughs> so so but there's always there's always been steps for sure there's always yeah. been something that comes next so so then the next thing like henry rollins handpicks you to say okay you're now the rollins you know you're rollins backing band to me you know as a guy from the outside i'm thinking holy shit now my i i i've just made a billion dollars. I'm like in one of the most popular bands in the world. You know, was yeah. it, did it feel like a big jump to you? Well, it definitely was a big jump and it was the most money that we had at the time that we had had at the time. Um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of factors that go with it. Uh, just like we were talking about Nirvana and the death of rock and roll. We were a little bit more rock and roll with Henry and we were, the first record was on DreamWorks and which was a big deal, yeah, you know, yeah. but then we found out that DreamWorks hated the record because it was rock and roll. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you would go out and, you know, do as much as you can. And, and then, uh, of course, the second one came out on a different label, Sanctuary, which was uh, uh, bigger in Europe. So yeah. same thing. We would spend half the time. And uh, but yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, we would Henry played so much that you could actually accumulate money just by staying on the road mm -hmm. and you know eating sandwiches backstage and then you come home and you have all these checks and it's like oh wow you know what can i and we had always invested in the band and probably lost more that way you know because we'd have to press our own records <laughs> right. and right. even when they came out in europe we would still put them out on our own label top beat in america so was there ever a point where you overstepped where you thought, okay, um, I'm in Rollins or, or now I'm in Motor Sister with all these, with all these heavyweights, I'm going to go buy a Lamborghini. You know, was there ever like that part of it for you? Well, I think I'm more of a, a, um, a record collector. So I'd probably go okay. and, you know, waste a bunch of money on a, go to Amoeba and spend too much, <laughs> but no, I've, I, yeah, cars are nice. And I, you know, of course I always think about moving to a new place, but you know, I'm just kind of settled. And even today I just got back from the Daytona beach festival and it's just, it's just nice to be back home, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> so one of the things I want to touch on here is the, the varied aspect of your career what, what i think people wouldn't recognize if they just heard mother superior or they just heard motor sister is 
like Sparks or Emmylou Harris or Daniel Lanois, right? So mm-hmm. how how are you hooking up with these very, very different um, styles of, of music? Um, a little bit of luck. And the Daniel Lanois thing came from, he came to a Henry Rollins, a Rollins band show at the Troubadour. And I talked to him and he was, you know, I was loading in my stuff and I talked to him in the parking lot and uh, went over and jammed. And this year is our 20th year playing together. And I, he opened my eyes a lot because um, he saw my whatever frustration I might have had being kind of put in a box in a, a hard rock band mm-hmm. because once we established ourselves as mother superior if we try to do anything different then we were looked at like what are you guys doing and then if we did you know tried to stay true to the roots it's like oh you guys already did that once before you know it's, what I mean it's so the ACDC it problem right it's the ACDC problem Exactly. And I always say, like, you can't put uh, an orchestra on Motorhead. You know, it just doesn't work. So uh, he just kind of opened my eyes. And then once I started uh, collecting other songs that I was writing that weren't so heavy and not only Daniel, but other people reacted to. and And that's what led to my first solo thing. And then Right after that, I went on tour with Emily Harris, and then all of a sudden, I was a bass player in Daniel's band, and we're singing three-part harmonies with Emmy Lou, and <laughs> and it was just a completely different audience, and you know, and it was it's strange on the other side too because I meet Daniel fans. I mean, a lot of them appreciate both sides, but I have met Daniel fans that I've I've said, "Hey, you should check out my band or whatever," and they're like, "Wow, it's so heavy," you know, like because they're more into you know, lighter stuff. Right. So it, but I feel uh, fortunate. And I also um, have been making solo records with producer Phil Jones, who's right. a drummer who played with Tom Petty and he's been a big supporter and I'm, he has his own studio and he has his drum set up. So I just bring songs over and, and I basically bring whatever I want and it just kind of, he always reacts and produces them and that's refreshing for me too because it doesn't put as much on me to produce i just have to come up with a good song and a good vocal or whatever right but he's got some great players on my records recently like mark ford from the black crows you know again a big influence and all of a sudden i'm his friend you know and (laughs) elliot easton from the cars plays on my new record and uh mark hart who plays keyboards for super tramp and he was in crowded house with whom i'm a huge fan of so it's um you know i just feel really lucky that i get to do both sides and another reason that i get to do both sides is because scott's in anthrax and johnny's in the cult so everybody's got things and you know i gotta uh do things too you right, know and right right and sparks was one of my favorite bands of all time yeah i want to hear sparks and so because they're such like a cult like underground thing but people love them and it's- when i was 14 years old they were on saturday night live and i was like who is this band and i became a fanatic and uh, I always say, if you look at the newsletters in the eighties, you, I won contests and, you know, <laughs> uh, and, um, so I, I, another reason that I wanted to come to LA because I knew that sparks were here, you know, and, uh, and no, not any, like a stalker kind of reason or right, anything, just right. like, 
I want to breathe the air that Brian Wilson is breathing. You know what I mean? And um, it was just a fluke. I, we Mother Superior had a song called Four Walls on the album 13 Violets. And we met uh, the producer, Tony Viscani, who did Bowie and T-Rex right, right. and Spark. Uh, through Rollins and because we did a Finn Lizzy cover and he produced that Finn Lizzy record and he really liked our cover and he came to our show and we talked about would he do a string arrangement for four walls see we were we were starting to take chances and we were like hey if we got Tony Scotty doing the string arrangement no one (laughs) (laughs) so he did and then uh, he had a birthday party in LA not long after and he left a message and said I want you guys to come to my birthday party and I told him how much I love Sparks. And he said, you don't know them? I said, no. <laughs> and uh, so I, in my mind, a little bit, I thought, we're going to Tony Viscani's birthday party in LA. Maybe Sparks will be there. <laughs> sure enough, they were there. So met him that night. I had to sit by Russell at dinner. Like I was just seated next to Russell. So it was kind of like, I could barely eat. And then we started talking and they realized I'm kind of a huge fan and uh that was it for them. But then maybe a year later, I ran into Russell at a Mexican restaurant and said, Hey, yeah, yeah. And we exchanged numbers and, um, they put out a record and I wrote him and said how much I liked the new record. And he said that they were going to England to play their 1974 album, come on to my house for a Morrissey festival thing that Morrissey put together and they needed a lead guitar player. And I said, I know it by heart. So I had to go to Russell's house <laughs> With my Gibson and my Marshall, and uh, I played along to the record, and I got the gig. And then that led to me playing shows. And then in 2008, Ron called me and said, uh, we're thinking about going to England and playing all 21 of our albums in 21 nights. And you're the only person we know that can do it, you know, so... Wow. So I said, I'm in. So we rehearsed for months and it was, you know, for me, it wasn't as hard as it was for the other guys, because like I said, I've been listening to those records my whole life. So I knew every song. I didn't necessarily know how to play every song right right off the bat, but I I knew every song. So Ron didn't want to listen to the records. So he left it up to me. Like, is that a minor or a major? It's a minor, Ron. You wrote it. (laughs) But I was, that was such a thrill. Basically, we had to, <clears throat> we would, we rehearsed here in LA for a while. Then we went to England and it was get to the venue in the afternoon, same venue the whole time, except for the last night and uh, get to the venue in the afternoon, play through the album once, maybe twice, but we were only doing the albums. So they were only, you know, 35, 45 minutes long right. each night. Right. Play the album, forget about the album next album next day you know what i mean so you were just uh, it was over 200 songs when we finished oh that's crazy that's crazy it was crazy it's such I, a i want to do it again now they got like 26 albums right so we i mean it it's such a cool experience and <laughs> being like the only guy in the entire world that is capable of of doing it is pretty nuts and i you know i i'm not bragging here but not only that but of the 21 nights i was the only guy that played all 21 <laughs> nights because the drummer, uh, there was a, a female drummer, Tammy Glover, in the 90s. And for the albums that she played on, she played the right. drums those nights. So, I, but me, I got to play every single night. And Steve McDonald from Red Cross played bass half of the nights because he had a, 
a crazy schedule. So there were two different bass players. So yeah, it was just me and the male brothers are the only ones that played all That's 21. So, so cool. <laughs> when I have, when I have artists on the show, like yourself, a lot of times uh, you guys talk about luck, right? And, you know, I was lucky and this happened or that happened, but part of it, you know, always when I, when I talk to you, you, all, all of you successful air quotes artists, you know, it's, you're talented and you work hard and you make the connections. And, and besides that, you know, you don't seem to be an asshole, Jim. Right. And mm-hmm. so like, that's, that I gotta all go. part of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but it's not luck. It's all of these things that, that happen. Right. You know, no, no, that's true. I think that I feel, like I said, a little more lucky just that I am able to do it, but I definitely have, you know, suffered for my art what's that neil innes thing i've suffered for my art now it's your turn um (laughs) (laughs) but you know there's definitely been some days where you didn't know what was going to happen next but something always happens and yeah i think that if you do good work then people will recognize it uh for example like my nephew moved out here not too long ago and he's trying to do some music stuff and i just push him and just say you know, if you're going to write songs, anybody can write songs, but, you know, the ones that are good, you got to work at them. You know, it's easy to pick up uh, the guitar and come up with a couple chords and you think you wrote a song, you know, but I've been these days, especially the Motor Sister record, uh, I've been taking walks and just no phone I mean, I have my phone just so when I get an idea, I just record. But, you know, anything looking for inspiration kind of and also just taking a walk. But uh, a lot of times something will come to me and I'll let it sit. And instead of picking up a guitar, when I go back and revisit that idea again, I just try to go in my head. Where should that go? And if I have a guitar in front of me, I have a lot of choices. So I'm just trying to write more natural songs. And I think maybe that's this will sound funny, but I think it was influenced a lot by Michael Jackson, who was a pretty good songwriter and he didn't play any instruments. So that always kind of made me think like, wow, how do you come up with stuff in your head? (laughs) So, uh, you know, and it's even worse with piano because you got even more choices to plonk out. And I do, I still do write songs like that too, especially once I get something formed. And of course I pick up the guitar and and put it together, but uh, I'm just trying to write more naturally and, keep the music a little more hooky and good you know and maybe it has a lot maybe it's more about writing as much as you can and then choosing the good ones yeah shedding the yeah shedding the bad ones and choosing the good ones yeah so so when we when we talk about motor sister so the the new record just came out um Mm -hmm. it's called get off i think and yes before before we talk about that ride 2015 so everything i've read suggests now and and subsequently now that i've listened to it cover band right it's a cover band of mother superior which is such a weird it's such a weird thing because it's your band that's like a new thing too. It's been a lot on this press for this new one, <laughs> but only because the new album is all original. Right. You guys put it together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, I've, I'm sure you probably heard the story, but it was Scott's 50th birthday and he just wanted to jam my songs and he chose the band and he, he said, the only way I'll do it is with you. And I said, okay, that sounds great. You know? <laughs> and at that point I didn't know when I was ever going to play those songs again, because we had been taking a break. And then the original drummer, Jason McEnroe passed away and he was a big part 
of the energy of that right. band, you know? And uh, so we just sounded great. I mean, of all the guys, I never met John Tempesta. And then we just started playing and it was like, oh my God, this is amazing, you know? And then we kept doing gigs and even up to three years ago, it was kind of like we did another motor sister gig and did those same songs and it's like let's come up with some fresh stuff you know so everybody went on some tour everybody kind of went their separate ways for a little bit and i just started collecting riffs and wanting to make a kick-ass rock and roll record you know so and again i would send demos to scott and pearl and uh probably sent them about 30 things and I just wait for his response. I like these three. I like these. You know what I mean? And to me, that's like, all right, well, let's concentrate on those, you know, and make those the best that we can. So coming for you, Bulletproof and Sooner or Later, I think are my three favorite on the record. Those are all really good tunes. And I think what, uh, might, what might be surprising for people, like if, if you don't know the band and you don't know Mother Superior and you're coming in and you're thinking, okay, it's Scott Ian and Pearl is singing. And then you listen to the songs and it's like, Oh, Jim is singing all these songs, right? So that, you know, is do you think that people are surprised by that? Well, maybe because of the name Motor Sister and because Pearl has got such a great presence right. and, you know, she is the actual one that was that would always say, "Is your songs, you sing them." But as I was writing them, she sings like 75% of them along with me, you right, know what I mean, right, harmony wise. Right. So I, I could always hear that too. Like, you know, I was always like, well, this would be a good one with, with Pearl singing with me. And then, uh, and you know, she's a, a, a fan. Even sometimes I push her on stage and I say, why don't you sing this part of some other song? And she'll be like, no, 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 you sing it, you know? <laughs> uh, but I, I finally got like on this song reminds me of you uh, from the first album. Yeah. Uh, she sings the middle section now and it sounds really great. And, but even so, like after, Coming for You was one of the very last ones. I remember there was uh, Lion's Den and Coming for You. I went to Scott and Pearl's house and we sat in the kitchen playing acoustic guitars and, and finished those two songs okay, together. Cool. cool. And uh, it was that time where I said, wait a minute, Pearl's got to have a lead vocal, you know? And now the next album, she's going to have a couple for sure, you know, because the people have been responding so great and uh, and you know a lot of pearl solo stuff is a uh, really nice harmony yeah. kind of eagles you know a little bit of country on the side so it's it, it's been a while since people heard her rock out like that so right and do you more to come do, so when when you're doing this stuff uh, maybe as you get further away from mother superior and you go more into motor sister right do you feel Mm -hmm. like your role changes or are you still the primary architect for what motor sister sounds like i think so i think yeah um and again as a a songwriter too it's it's easy for me to write for my own voice and uh i remember a a long time ago joey vera said he i played him something and he said classic jim wilson and that always made me go (laughs) Okay, well, I gotta like try to do that for the you know the, for the best songs. Just put a little soul into it. I guess that's what it means, you yeah. know. But uh, again, it's a very cool thing for me to have a second guitar player who just happens to be Scotty and right. Manfred. Because you know, in Mother Superior, if it, if we played live, we never had a second guitar. Maybe I might have put some an overdub on the records or whatever. 
but now me and Scott can do little harmony things and little play off of each other, you know, and, and the rhythm section, Joey and Johnny are just so sick, you know, and, uh, and Pearl kind of takes, a a lot away from me in, in the best way for like singing, because, uh, when you're just screaming by yourself in a power trio, trying to sing over top of a band, it's hard, you know? And, uh, I find we smooth each other out just by, tuning into our harmonies you know there's some even on the new album uh like excuse me your life is exposed that's one that uh we had to like settle down to get the okay nice yeah. harmony like the cheap trick harmony you know right. you can't sing like ted nugent and it won't come out like cheap trick <laughs> right on and one last thing here uh, about that so when you're writing for motor sister when you wrote this the the new record did you have completed songs except for the ones you were just talking about but mostly did you bring a completed yes. song to the band uh crazily enough yeah and and you know even middle parts and everything and and the band responded so well that we just it was funny because i would send these demos and then by the time that i would see scott he was already he already knew how to play it his way you know okay. even if his yeah. formations weren't the same as mine or whatever but right. And uh, yeah, they just, uh, it's, a, you know, can't get high enough has just went uh, on Spotify alone has over a hundred thousand listens this week. And I wrote that by myself. So sometimes I go, wow, that's my, you know, things are good. <laughs> <laughs> does, so that actually there, there's a good place to leave. So does success again, however we want to define success, does it feel different now from like the heyday of Rollins band, for example? It's it's a little bit more, I think, and because of all the uh, references, if if somebody kind of like you said at the beginning of the show, if they don't know one thing, they know another, right. you know. And it's funny. I went to the post office a couple of days ago, and I got out of the truck and was putting money in the meter. And these two guys were painting the wall or something, and they were eating lunch. And the guy goes, "Hey," and I turned and looked at him, and I could tell that he was going to say something, and he said you play with Daniel Lamois. I've seen you, you know, I never know where, it, which one it's going to come from, you know what I mean? Which is super cool. And that guy who said that probably has no idea about motor system. Right, you know what I mean? right. That is it's such an eclectic career. It's, uh, it's good on you, <laughs> Oh Jim. man, Daniel came to our show at the Whiskey last weekend and the next day he was sending all, he left Pearl a phone message and just, he was just so into the show. He's, he's my brother. That's, that is amazing. <laughs> As always, I will drop all the links. I mean, again, I don't know that anybody doesn't know about Motor Sister who listens to this podcast, but I'll drop all the other stuff that you maybe uh, have missed from Jim Wilson. It's all worth checking out. I want to thank everyone who's listening and supporting the podcast. It is all very much appreciated. Thank you yes, very thanks much. Everybody. Thanks you very much to Jim Wilson for spending some time here today. It's been, it's been amazing, man. Great to talk to you. And as soon as I quit my day job, things went well. <laughs> <laughs>